You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. We're in a series called Dressed for the Kingdom. The series, in this series, we're unpacking some of the significance of the things that the Lord tells us to put on, to wear, to be um, as believers. And how those things that we're called to put on in the in the the, the word, shape our identity and shape how we live our lives as followers of Jesus. What's the spiritual clothing of sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, of the Most High God? What's the spiritual clothing of a kingdom of priests who are called to make an impact and to minister to his presence and to extend the kingdom? Last week we looked at being clothed, um, last week we looked at being clothed in purity and holiness. There's a progression in this series, I don't know if you picked it up so far, from the place of identity to effectiveness. Um, Impact and identity are always intertwined in the scripture. Who we are in Jesus is always intertwined with our purpose. And so often I think we preach purpose without understanding identity, or we, we preach identity without linking it to purpose. They're always interlinked. Effectiveness and impact in the kingdom always flow from a place of identity, of being sure of who we are and who we, uh, as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We have to know who we are and whose we are first. And so in this series, there's a progression from identity to impact. And there's always a little bit of identity in all of the points, but we're moving more toward the area of impact. That's why we started with garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. These are straight up identity issues. If you don't settle that stuff of who, who am I because I am, I, I'm now following Jesus. Who am I as a follower of the most high God? What has he called me to be? What did he call me to put on that I'm now righteous, that I have right standing before him, that I can come boldly into his presence? If we don't settle that, then we're going to always come to a place of trying to do it in our own strength. Then we move to being clothed in humility, putting on purity and holiness. It's still part of identity, still part of who we are, but we're moving toward effectiveness and growth and becoming more like Jesus. We partner in the process of humility and purity and holiness. This morning I want to unpack something that moves us more toward the place of effectiveness, and that's putting on the armor of God. I have a whole bunch of notes that that have nothing to do with this morning. I'll put them away. Therefore, a different time. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to read from verse 10 this morning. It talks about Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus about the armor of God. And he says, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. I mean, we could preach a whole sermon just on that this morning. But he goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. He's reminding us that this is not a natural thing. This is a spiritual thing. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Remember, one of the themes in Paul's writing is to finish the race, to endure, to, 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 be, to be there at the end. He says to stand firm. Stand, 
therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mysteries of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Here we have a list of things that we're called to put on as believers. They're both protective and offensive. They help us withstand the attack and the schemes of the devil, but they also help us to be effective in advancing the kingdom. And the goal of the armor of God is that we would stand strong in the Lord and in the strength or in the power of his might, Paul tells us in verse 10. The goal of this is that we would stand strong, that we would be able to resist the attacks of the enemy at the same time as advancing the kingdom. Paul reminds us that we're in a spiritual battle. These are some of the things that will help us be prepared for spiritual battle. It was an, this analogy of the armor was an analogy that the readers at the time would, would have understood very well because they saw soldiers dressed in armor every day. It wasn't, you know, for us, we're trying to imagine, when they think of movies like Gladiator or the picture, you know, but for them, that was, that was their everyday life. At the street corner, outside of the house, there was soldiers dressed like this all the time. But remember that Paul's not talking about something in the natural. He's talking about something in the spiritual. So I want to look at some of these different things. The first thing he mentions is the belt of truth. To put on the belt of truth. Paul begins with this. And um, for those of you who were here at the start of the year, Adam did an amazing job. We did like a, a, a quick, like quick fire Three, three by ten minute preaches, and Adam's preach was on the armor of God. In ten minutes, he did what I'm going to probably take a half an hour to do, but because but, <laughs> he was, he was, it was amazing. And he made this point that the belt of truth is the pivotal piece of armor. If you weren't here, you can go back and listen to that. Um, I'm not going to re-preach his preach. But it's the belt of truth that holds everything else in the armor together. So if we don't put on the belt of truth as believers, everything else falls apart. Truth is the, the starting point. There's a reason why Paul puts it first in his list of armor to protect against the schemes of the enemy, but also to be effective in advancing the kingdom. He puts the belt of truth. As we saw last week, one of the ways that we put on purity and holiness as believers, is by obeying the truth. First Peter 1 verse 22 says, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth. John 8 verse 31 to 32 says, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Psalm 119 verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your your word. I want to show you an example this morning. Um, Hugo, would you join me on the stage? You beautiful man. So let's, uh, these are some, some large pants that I have. You might need to take your shoes off for this. 
Can you put on these uh, pants that will probably not fit you? Very good. So we can clothe. You gotta button them up. Obviously, these pants are slightly oversized for this young man. Um, can you try to run? What would happen if you run from one side of the stage to the other in these in these pants? Don't hold them up though. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> very good. Very good. So we have a problem. No, no, don't take them off yet. Yeah, don't take your pants off. Leave them on. Um, we need something to hold these pants up. I would suggest that we probably need a belt, possibly a belt of, a belt of truth. Um, good thing we brought one earlier. See if you can see how quickly you can put this uh, this belt on. Who? Oh, easy, easy. <laughs> see, the problem is, if you try to run without the belt on. The pants fall down and begin to trip you up. This is a Hugo-sized belt. There you go. There you go. Oh, 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 oh. Easy. <laughs> now, you can go for a run around the building if you want. Even with the big pants on, they're not falling down. Well done. Good job. Whee! All right. Let's give him a hand. Thank you, my lovely son. You can go do that down there. Good job. Silly, silly example, but I hope it illustrates something for you. There's a difference between having the belt on and not having the belt on. Similar with the belt of truth. Without the truth of the word, our minds begin to slip and stumble, like Hugo did without the belt on. It becomes difficult, if not impossible, to live our lives the way God intended. Because stuff isn't working the way God intended it to. The belt of truth, the truth of God's word is what sets us free and keeps us free. It's what renews our minds. It's what holds our minds together. It's the standard by which we measure everything else. If we don't start with obedience to the truth of God, by daily being clothed in truth, by saying, God, let me conform to the truth that you've set out, at best, we'll get tripped up, like Hugo did. But at worst, we're actually following a different God. We actually begin to make a God in our own image, according to our own truth. And we see this in Scripture, where they built idols, and they actually worshipped gods that weren't the one true God. They are gods according to their truth. Ultimately, truth is Jesus, because Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We worship Jesus. We worship and we follow his revelation of truth, not our own God designed in our own image based on our own truth. Because my truth has to submit to the truth of who God is. Otherwise, I'm not following him. Truth is not subjective, friends. The minute we start to be selective, I said this last week about uh, which biblical truths we like or we agree with or we'll obey. As soon as we start to justify what doesn't apply to me, we begin to backslide. And so we start with this place of the belt of truth that actually holds everything else together. The second thing that Paul mentions is the, ble- the, the blessed, the breastplate of righteousness. The blessed plate of righteousness. It is a blessed place. We talked about already being clothed in robes of righteousness. And now Paul says to put on righteousness like a breastplate. What's the difference between a robe 
and a, and a breastplate. The breastplate protects the heart. Oh. My Savior, Lord, there is none like. Good song. If that was your ringtone, well done. The breastplate protects the heart. Being righteous means being right with God. Having right standing through our faith in Jesus. We've already seen that our right standing with God is a free gift that we've received simply by faith. Salvation, though, is often described as giving your heart to Jesus. Why? Because it's from the heart. That is the, the, the heart is the seat of our, of our love, our passion, our emotions. God wants our heart. Lord, I give you my heart. It would have been good if it was like, Lord, I give you my heart. It's still a good song. My Jesus. What's the chorus of that? Shout to the Lord. All the... Yeah, nice. Okay. <laughs> I love that, that song, though. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. If you don't know it, you can go look it up later. But See, the thing is, though, the breastplate, is, it's not just the robe of righteousness, the free gift. It's the thing that protects our heart. What he's saying is, I, uh, put this on, I want to protect your heart because the enemy wants to poison and harden our hearts. Just as the Lord wants your heart. He wants our love and our passion and our emotion and our zealousness to be for him. The enemy wants to poison our heart. Every time we sin, every time we don't respond to truth, every time we justify our unbelief or we turn away from the leading of the Holy Spirit, our heart is hardened. Psalm 95 verse 7 to 10 says, For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today if you hear his voice, this is for us church today, do not harden your hearts. As in Mirabah, as on the day of, uh, of Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they have seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are people who go astray in their hearts, and they have not known my ways. They had seen his goodness, they had seen his work, yet when he spoke they hardened their hearts and turned away. Proverbs 4 verse 23. 23 says, keep or guard your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. The NLT says this, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. The enemy wants your heart, and the Lord wants your heart. Every time we sin, our heart gets a little bit harder. Every time we turn away and we hear the voice of the Lord and we hear the leading of the Holy Spirit and we say no, our heart gets a little bit harder. Our heart gets a little bit harder. The heart is important. But there's actually also things we can do as followers of Jesus that help or maintain a pure and a soft heart. Prayer, forgiveness, turning away from sin. Spending time in his presence, worship, keeping short accounts. Every time we do those things, it, it, it helps us maintain a soft heart. Actually, it softens our heart. Where doing the other things makes our heart become hard. These things are the things that, that soften our heart. The things that protect our heart. If you, if you found your heart hurting or it's getting hard, come back to the truth. Come back to the presence of God. Ask him to create in us a clean heart. 
draw near to Jesus. Let, you, let him wash you in his presence. Press in, not just 10 minutes, not five minutes. Spend time sitting with him. Ezekiel 36 from verse 24 says this. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You can ask the Lord to soften your heart. Where you've had a broken heart, where you know your heart's become hard, you can actually say, Lord, would you give me a heart of flesh again, a soft heart, a heart that pursues your presence. The breastplate of righteousness protects our heart. Thirdly, he says, the shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel brings peace to all the souls who respond. There's a promise of the Lord that he would bring peace to our souls. So often we like, we like to say, no, no, that means peace to all my circumstances and all my surroundings. It's a spiritual peace. These are spiritual things. To be, to, to be able uh, to, 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 to stand in the place of his peace is to say, Lord, I want to live right with you. That there's no turmoil in my soul. The gospel brings peace to the souls of all who respond. To be able to, 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 to run or jump or even, to be honest, to stand properly, you need the right shoes on. Have you ever tried to run in the wrong size shoes? Have you ever accidentally put on somebody else's shoes? It feels a bit like weird, like their foot's like sort of already formed in it, and it just doesn't seem right. But if you try and put on shoes that are three sizes too small, you might be able to squeeze into them, but you're not going to be able to run and jump to the best of your ability. There's a spiritual battle going on, but even in the midst of storms, the gospel brings peace. There's a security, there's a surety in knowing your identity as a son or daughter of the Lord and in following Jesus. That's the gospel of peace, the place that we belong. One of the most sinister attacks of the enemy is to stir up worry and anxiety and discontentment. Because the more we worry, the more we try and take things into our own hands rather than relying upon God, the more we worry, the more anxious we become, and the more we, 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 we live in that place or the enemy tries to attack us, the more we try and control things ourselves. You can always identify a place of worry or anxiety in your life by how much you're trying to control the world around you. And God wants to come into that place and bring peace. He wants us to rely upon him. He wants us to stand in the place of peace and contentment, even when we can't see the answer, even when we can't see what it's going to look like down the road. Rather than trying to control the situation to get my outcome, it's to rely upon him to say, Lord, your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He wants us to stand in the place of peace and contentment. There's also this other side to this whole thing of the shoes of the gospel of peace, and that's this, is that True peace and contentment and fulfillment comes when we're living on mission. There's a reason why it's the shoes and not like the glove of the gospel of peace. You guys there this morning? You're all a little like, 
true peace, true contentment comes when you're living on the mission that God's created and designed for you. All of us are called to be those who make disciples, disciples who make disciples, to reach, the, reach people who don't know Jesus yet, to show his love. When we're doing that and we're living in that place, there's opposition of the enemy, but there's a contentment and a peace in our souls because we're living in the thing that God's designed us for. When we're not doing that, it doesn't matter what else you try. The writer of Ecclesiastes says that everything else is futile. It all comes to nothing. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much uh, pleasure you have. It all comes to nothing if you're not in the place that God's called you to be in, if you're not living on his mission. The amazing thing is there's nothing more joyous, there's nothing more fulfilling than showing somebody the love of Jesus. There's nothing more joyous and fulfilling than seeing somebody turn to him as your Lord and Savior. And if you've never done that, please come out with us as we, when we go on outreach. Ask somebody. Ask, get, get into a discipleship group and ask them, show me how to share the love of Jesus. Show me how to share the gospel. Teach me how to give a 15-second testimony. Teach me how to give a one-minute testimony. Teach me how to just show people Jesus. Because honestly, you will not be more fulfilled in any other area of your life until you begin to do this. I think that part of our spiritual peace and fulfillment is linked with going and taking the gospel of peace to others. It's never just about us. Fourthly, we have the shield of faith. We have the belt of truth, the blessed breastplate. I said it again. The blessed, let's just go with blessed. The blessed breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith. Things that we're called to be clothed and to put on. The shield is this unique piece of armor. Because it can be moved up and down. It can be moved around. It can cover up the, 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 the places of weakness in the other areas of the armor. That's how you use a shield. You use a shield to cover your weak side. When you're kind of using your sword to advance, you got the shield to protect the other side so somebody doesn't cut your arm off. It is handy. It wouldn't be handy if your arm was cut off because you'd only have one hand. It can be used to... <laughs> Bethany appreciated that one. Thank you, Bethany. Um, it can be used to protect the body before an attack strikes. It can protect from above. It can protect from the side. It can protect the back or weak spot of somebody else. Your breastplate of righteousness doesn't protect somebody else's heart. It protects your heart. But your shield of faith can actually help protect somebody else. Verse 16, in all circumstances... Take up the shield of faith which you, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Now remember this. Because it's very easy we get into this thing about armor to begin to think naturally. Remember that faith is not a feeling or a currency. Faith is an unrelenting focus and belief in Jesus. Faith is the gaze, A.W. Tozer says, uh, he famously wrote this. Faith is the gaze of the soul upon a saving God. Faith is a focus. Many people teach faith as a currency. If you just had enough faith. But Jesus said, if you only had faith, like a mustard seed. So it's not about the currency. It's not about how much you have. It's about where our focus is. Kind of helps us read this passage a little bit differently. Faith is not me pretending that this isn't really actually happening to me. It's not that I, I can manifest my desires if I just say it enough. I mean, I would love that to be the reality. I tried to manifest that I was going to win $100 million. It didn't happen. Did any of you guys win the $100 million? If you did, there better be $10 million in the offering. 
No, some, some guy in Sydney won it. That's not faith. It's not, it's not trying to, to, to manifest a reality. It's not a currency. It's a focus. It's the gaze of our soul. It's a focus upon Jesus. It's not looking away from Jesus for anything. So what is the shield that he's talking about? Is that in any and every circumstance, I won't take my eyes off of Jesus. What extinguishes the darts of the enemy, the attacks of the enemy? It's not looking away from Jesus. I mean, like, we have to get this. Because otherwise we go, well, I'm, we, we, we do this thing. We do this, like, religious thing. I'm taking up my shield of faith. Well, what are you taking up? I mean, that's not, you know, I kind of like to ask questions of the Bible. I think it's a good thing to do. Okay, cool. You're taking up your shield of faith. What, what are you doing? Because I don't see you holding a shield. It's not natural. I don't get to, like, hold the chair and be like, this is my shield. No, no. What does it mean? It means that it doesn't matter what's happening. I'm not taking my eyes off of Jesus. That's my shield of faith. Doesn't matter what the enemy's throwing at me, I'm not gonna look to that. I'm not taking my eyes off of Jesus. It's different than the natural. The natural says, yeah, face the attack, repel the attack. The spiritual says, keep your eyes on Jesus, keep making much of him, keep pursuing him. And those attacks don't hit, they don't find their mark. It's not looking away from Jesus. The shield of faith is staying focused on him no matter what the enemy throws at you. The attack of the enemy is designed to weaken your faith. What does that look like? It's designed to take your eyes off of Jesus and onto the attack. The flaming darts of the enemy are designed, it's not this kind of like thing of like, oh, you know, I'm fighting the battle, I'm fighting, like, no, no, no. We don't fight. He fights for us. We keep our eyes on him. The, the, the attack of the enemy is designed to take your eyes off of Jesus and onto the enemy, onto the circumstance, onto the lack, onto the things around you. But the, the shield of faith is keeping our eyes on Jesus and allowing him to fight on our behalf. This is why our response as Christians to persecution, to unrighteousness, to opposition, is not to get off the wall and focus on those things, but to keep pressing into Jesus and to stay focused on him. We don't begin to fight at this level and focus on the enemy. We keep our eyes on Jesus and we keep pressing into him. And that's what it looks like to take up the shield of faith. I think many believers have, have, have lost the reality of this, and we've actually begun to fight on a natural level. We want to fight against the persecution. We want to fight against the, the, the things that we see that are evil around us. But we, we, we forget that it's not a spiritual, it's not a, a natural battle, it's a spiritual battle. The helmet of salvation. I like this one, because we've already talked about the garments of salvation. Again, it's one of those ones that's like, oh, we got garments of salvation and a helmet it's different imagery. I love the imagery in the Bible. See, when we come to Jesus for salvation, we put on the garments of salvation. And we, we, we literally put on Jesus. We put on Christ, the Bible says. We're clothed with him. We have a new identity. We have a new standing as sons and daughters of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's a free gift. It's just that identity stuff that I say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are, that you died for my sins, that you rose from the dead. I want to follow you from that moment. I become a son of God. I have free access to his presence. My identity has changed. We have this, this, this amazing new heritage and lineage 
uh, as part of the, the, the family of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But how does the enemy attack our identity in Christ? So often he attacks us in the area of our minds and our thoughts. That's why Romans says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Just like the helmet protects the head of the soldier, the helmet of salvation protects the mind from the enemy's lies. Remember, there's a spiritual battle. The enemy doesn't want you to stand in your identity as a son or daughter. The enemy doesn't want you to be secure and at rest in that place. The enemy doesn't want you to keep your eyes on Jesus. He wants you to take your eyes off of it and focus on him. He wants to sow doubt and lies into your mind to say, you're not a son. You're not worthy. You can't come into his presence. You're not good enough. If they only knew what you really did, they're all lies of the enemy to try and unseat your identity and who you are in Christ. I need a different... uh, a different person to help me. Charlie, can you quickly come? Come, 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 run up. I got a seat, I got a seat for you right here. Let's give him a hand as he comes up. So this is not a helmet, but they are headphones. If I were to put these headphones on Charlie and turn the volume up on those headphones, they're not on right now, but would he be able to hear what I was saying? Probably not. If they are noise-canceling, really good headphones. Those ones aren't noise-canceling. The helmet of salvation is kind of like putting on the headphones that block out the lies of the enemy, that protect our mind just like the helmet protects the head of the soldier. So when the enemy tries to say, Charlie, you're not worthy, you're not good enough, he doesn't hear any of that. He's not hearing the lies of the enemy because what he's listening to is the truth of who, uh, of who he is in the Lord, that he's a son of the most high God, that he's able, that he's a warrior, that he has identity, that he has purpose in the Lord, that he has a plan and a purpose for him, that he has a, 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 a future for him, that he's designed him for a task at hand. That's what he's hearing in the, in the headphones. No, I love you. No, no, you know, he's not hearing all the junk that the enemy is trying to throw at him to unseat his identity in the Lord. Thank you, Charlie. You're a legend. Can we give him a hand? We block out the lies of the enemy by, by putting on the helmet of salvation. We say, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not listening to that because that's not the truth of who I am. I find one of the most annoying things as being a parent is uh, the boys having their headphones in inside the house because it also works because I'm, <laughs> I'm like, hey, they're just walking around. They're not, they're not allowed to wear their headphones inside the house. It's just one of those things. So they, they have, they, I don't like the earpods. It's a bad invention because you can just have one. <laughs> I'm like, have you got your He's like, no, it's only one. I can still hear you. Anyway, that's a whole different aside. But we can use it in a good, good way. Sorry, bro. Hugo's unfortunately learning the hard way that it's, you know, being the preacher's son, you get picked on in the examples a lot. Henry now has a drum kit which means that he has headphones on, music turned up full blast, and drums going full blast, and he can't hear a thing ever. Henry, Henry, Henry! Be in the room, Henry! Just all you hear is... I gotta move on. Uh, The last one. Sorry, I'm enjoying it too much this morning, and we're running out of time. The sword of the spirit. This is the only piece of armor that we're told to put on that is purely offensive. 
it's an offensive part of the armor. I mean, all the other parts are, are defensive and offensive in, in a sense, because without them, it's hard to advance. I've often heard people preach this like this, though, or I've read it like this. And the sword of the spirit, the word is a pneuma, spirit, which is the word. I've heard people preach it. The sword of the spirit, which is the word, like the logos, like the Bible of God. And then people go on to make this point like, this is your sword. Use it to attack the enemy. Have you ever been taught that? You've been taught it like that? I was taught it like that as a kid in kids' church. It was really cool because you could like take the, the Bible and be like, this is our sword. But what this verse actually says, it says, and the sword of the spirit, the pneuma, which is the word, rhema of God. Uh-oh. That's, a, that's messing up my, my theology a little bit. That's what the Bible says right here. It says, as much as the Bible is vitally important. So I'm not saying the Bible's not important because we started. The starting place is the belt of truth. Without it, all the rest of the armor falls off. You can't hold, the belt of truth holds up the sword of the spirit. Yeah. The belt of truth holds everything else together. But we advance, hear this please. We advance through the power of the spirit which is the spoken now word of God. Literally, it reads like this. Take up the sword, which is the spirit of God. You guys are very quiet this morning. Doesn't say, it doesn't say, that like how I was taught in kids' church, take up the sword, which is the Bible of God. It says, take up the sword, which is the spirit of God. The advancing of the kingdom, the pushing back uh, uh, of darkness, the destroying of the works of the enemy is the work of the Spirit. We partner, we get to partner with the Holy Spirit, but it's the Spirit who does it, not us, just so you know, because the problem is when you're taught, this is the sword, then it's like, well, you wield the sword. I don't get to wield the sword when the Spirit is the sword. I get to partner with what the Spirit is doing. He's the sword. I get on board with him. He's the sword. Get on board. There you go. We have this false idea that actually, you know, it, it's in my strength and in my might that I get to wield the sword. No, it really says that the spirit is a sword. It's from the place of identity in the truth, in peace, guarding our hearts and minds, and constantly and continually being focused on Jesus, that we walk in step with the spirit, listening to his leading, and looking for where he wants to move. All of the armor together. In the place of truth, understanding who we are, with our hearts and minds guarded, living in a place of peace, saying I'm going to live on mission because I'm at peace with who I am in the Lord. And then from that place, I get to follow and listen to what the Spirit is doing and see the kingdom advanced. It's a total spiritual armor. It's not a natural armor. And it's not up to me to wield the sword. Because I don't tell the Holy Spirit what he's going to do. I listen to what he wants to do and I get to partner with him. Verse 17 and 18 says, And the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Spirit of God, really. Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Just in case you forgot it, Paul is writing this from prison. How are you going this morning? How are all these things activated and appropriated in our lives? It's prayer that activates the armor of God. It's prayer. 
It's time with him. It's communing with him. If we're in the place of going, oh, God, I, I realize that there's some areas of truth that I'm not walking in. How do we begin to walk in that? Well, we, 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 we ask him to show us. We spend time with him in prayer. We spend time in his presence, and we activate that in our life. We go, oh, my heart. Actually, I realize my heart's broken still. I've been in relationship after relationship, and I'm carrying hurt from that, and my heart is hard. It's hard to the love of God. How do we see him move? We pray, and we say, God, help. Give me a, give me a new heart. Soften my heart. I'm hearing the, the, the attack of the enemy more than the truth of what God says about me. And I spend time and I pray and I, and I press into him. I say, God, let me see what you say about me. Let me hear what you say more than what the enemy says. I want to walk with the helmet of salvation on. It's constant communion with the spirit of God. Praying at all times in the spirit. How's your prayer life? How's your armor? Don't forget Paul's writing from the place of prison. We get to walk in this in a place of very, very little, if any, persecution. This becomes a, th this carries a lot more weight in reality when you realize he was in prison saying, do this. There's a lot in that. I'm sure you're well aware. I was like, how the heck am I going to preach the whole armor of God in 30 minutes? So I didn't quite. It's pretty close. But there's a response for us. There's a response for all of us in this. It's God say, saying, Lord, let me be clothed. Let me be spiritually clothed in the armor of God. In these things that you've talked about. And whatever the area is that you went, oh, wow, that one hurt a little bit. Maybe you, that's the area you need to respond in this morning. Whether it's truth Maybe you've created a God in your own image. You actually need to dethrone that, that God and come to Jesus this morning. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.